river because God has something to tell you. And what he wants to tell you is there's some things in your own life today that he wants to bring back to life. Verse 5 says, breath will enter you and you will come to life. I love that. You will come to life. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. We can only truly live spiritually when we have the Holy Spirit alive and working in our lives today. Not the spirit of religion. I'm saying the Holy Spirit. The sign of life and renewal and revival is when dead things come to life. When things that seem to be beyond resuscitation, when things that suddenly receives a new wind and a new breath entering them, that's when you know renewal and reawakening is taking place. And I want to say this morning that there is hope for Italy. There is hope for Europe. There is hope for Canada. And there is hope for Powell River this morning. And there is hope for all the cities across our own Canada and for all the nations that, that Evangel Pentecostal Church is connected to around the world globally. The God of the resurrection wants to bring things back to life. There are things in your life today that God wants to reawaken. God wants to breathe on you. He wants to put his breath upon you, his spirit upon those dry places in your own life. The valley of dry bones this morning can represent areas that seem to have no life, areas that seem to have no vitality and no more hope and, and no potential. It could be your marriage. Or it could be your family situation and your relationship and your relationships and friendships. It could be a financial situation this morning. It could be a work situation this morning. I want you to know this morning that God, by His Holy Spirit, wants to breathe over that situation today. He wants to breathe over your marriage. He wants to breathe over your finances. He wants to breathe over that broken relationship that you're dealing with today. Maybe today your valley of dry bones represents a vision or a dream or a calling that you once received a long time ago and, 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 and life circumstances and hardships and even personal failure in your life has caused that vision, has caused that dream and that calling to go dormant in your life. Today, God wants to breathe on you. He wants to breathe and reawaken that dream within you. He wants to reawaken that calling within you. He wants to reawaken all that God has called you to do this morning. Maybe it's a spiritual condition. A time in your life where you were fully committed to the cause of Christ. Fully passionate and enthusiastic about your faith. But somehow today you find yourself far from God. You find yourself like you've gone stale and that passion is withered out. And, 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 and maybe you've drifted because of personal failure or, or weakness or sin. God wants to bring you back home today. His Spirit is here to breathe on you and reawaken that passion that you once had in your life for the cause of Christ. Maybe it's a spiritual condition over this town, over your city. It seems like there's this thick, dark cloud that, over it that seems so hard and, and that we, the church, can't seem to penetrate the darkness of our city with the light of Christ. And, and God's Spirit today wants to breathe over this city where this light starts to shine bright, where light starts to exude out of this facility, out of this people, out of this beautiful church. The God of the resurrection wants to bring things back to life so that we in turn can be 
bringers of life. Amen? That we, in turn, can be bringers of freedom and hope in our own world around us. God's dream for your life is not that you just become a believer and a church attender. No, God's dream for your life, friends, is that you come alive in His presence and bring life in every environment you enter, in every environment you step foot into. Can I hear an amen? That's what he's, that's his dream for you. That you would be used of God to literally remove the stone from the tombs over people's lives. That you would literally be used of God to remove the, 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 the stone from the tombs of your neighborhoods and your schools and your cities and nations and see them brought, brought to life in Jesus' name. God's desire is to draw an entire city's every single heart and every single home into his hope. And so he calls you and he awakens you. We first need those dry areas in our own lives to come to life so that we can then go and bring life. Ezekiel 37 represents today your valley of dry bones. And if we were to be honest today in the room, every one of us has some dry bones that we're dealing with. Every one of us in the room today has some dry places that we're having to deal with. You know, our Christian journey, how many of you would agree, are, is made up of many mountaintops and valleys, right? High places and low places. Places full of life and vitality and fruitfulness. And then there are seasons of wilderness and dry places and desert-like seasons in our lives. And some of you are here today and you're in the valley facing your own set of dry bones. You are walking through the lows of lows in your life. Perhaps this is one of the darkest seasons that you've ever faced in your life. What seems to be completely impossible and hopeless, you don't even know when and if it will get better or even resolved. It is, is it possible that God sometimes allows us to be taken in the valley of a dry marriage or a dry ministry? Bones that represent financial challenge and broken relationship and anxiety issues and mental illness and depression or even terminal illness. And we ask, God, are you with me in this valley that is so painful, that is so dry, and that is so scorched? Are you with me? And Ezekiel was, was walking back and forth through this valley of vast dry bones and he, is, is he a God who walks with me when I walk through the valley of such bones? Are you walking through things? And maybe today you're walking through things that don't seem to be getting any better. And maybe this morning you're defining yourself based on your past failure and you're stuck there. And we ask, where are you, God? Is, it, is my situation ever going to change? Is this mountain before me ever going to be removed? Is this, is this crisis before me ever going ever gonna to subside and be rectified? I want to say this morning to you, church, yes, they can. And I know they can. But we need to 
have some caution because reality is that you tend to put up. We tend to put up and learn to live with our dry bones. And we tend to learn to live with the dry places in our lives. It's like we grow accustomed to a dry marriage. Well, this is how it's been for the last 10 years. It's not going to change now. So I just put up with it. Or a dry spiritual situation. Well, I've been floundering back and forth for the last five years, and this is just how it is. Or a dry ministry, an addiction, barrenness. Well, we haven't had children for eight years. I don't think it's going to happen, so we're just going to accept it and have peace with it. Or a prodigal son or daughter or, or spouse. Yeah, 20 years, still a prodigal. It's not going to happen. Maybe you're single. I haven't found a partner. I doubt it's ever going to happen. And so what do we do? We settle and we conclude that it's been like this for such a long time and things will never change for me. And we learn to live with my dry bones. We develop a coping mechanism to, ac to accommodate the bones in our life and, and even in our churches and even in our ministries, may I say. I see it weekend after weekend as I'm in and out of churches all throughout the nation. We put up with it. We say this is the way it is. And we're okay with the dry ministry. We're okay with non-passionate worship. We're okay with no one coming to Christ. It's almost like it becomes natural to walk among bones. It's like there is peace in giving up. But then the Holy Spirit says, can these dry bones live? <laughs> Why, Lord? Why would you try to wake up my hope to something that hasn't changed for so long in my life? I've just learned to live with my bones. I've just learned to develop a coping mechanism to live with my dry marriage and my dry ministry. There is peace in giving up, God. And now you ask me, can these bones live? Why are you taunting me like this, God? Why are you teasing me like this? I don't know whether they can live or not, and quite frankly, whether I want to try or not. I don't know if I want to fight or not. Only you know, God. And then God says this. He says, speak to your bones. Prophesy. Declare what I've commanded you. Why would I talk to bones that could never talk back to me? Hello? Why would I talk or give to something that can't give back? And yet, wasn't it Jesus who died the most painful, humiliating death on the cross for a vast humanity of dry, dead bones spiritually in captivity? A humanity that could never have the ability to give back to Him? And I think, friends, if we want to be like Jesus, sometimes we'll need to speak to that thing that can never speak back or give back to us. Prophesy to the bones so that they may live. Those things that are dry in your life today will remain dry until you start speaking to it. The only way you will be able to see signs of life is if you begin to speak to it and declare the word of God. 
Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this word because it is the power of God. It is what? For the salvation of everyone who believes. Declare the word and God performs it. The Bible says his word shall never, never return void. This is why the devil will do everything he can to keep us silent, to keep your lips shut, because he knows the power of life and death is in the tongue, negative or positive. You can't speak words of death and reap life, but we declare the word of God, which is life. Amen? Peter could only heal the lame man outside the synagogue when he spoke to him, he didn't touch him, he didn't lay hands on him. He spoke to him, he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Friends, if we want renewal and we want reawakening and see things come to life, there are some key things that we need to practice in our lives. And the first thing is this whole idea of becoming a people of declaration. Come on. We need to go beyond describing to declaring the Word of God over our situations, over those dead bones, over those dry areas in our life. See, we not only become accustomed to the dry bones in our life, but we also easily tend to be describers of the valley of bones we are walking through. How many of you are great at describing your situation, your problem, your crisis? You know, how many of you here in the house today are directionally challenged? Okay, I'm directionally challenged, right? So I'm thankful when my wife is with me in the car because she really helps me out. Because I'm the kind of guy that gets lost even with the GPS. How about you? Especially when we're driving in Italy. I mean, you know, there's a hundred ways to get to one location. And 20 minutes becomes an hour. And so I'm very thankful when my wife is there. Recently we moved to a new home in, in the Lower Mainland. And so when our friends come over for dinner or visit us, uh, I send them a text and I said, look, don't follow Google Maps because you'll never get here. So here are the specific directions, and I give them very specific directions. I mean, like, you're going east on Lloyd Highway, you're going to make a left on 240th Street, and once you make a left on 240th Street, you're going to make a right on 102 Avenue, you're going to go all the way up to the hill. At the roundabout, you're going to go left on Jackson Road. Are you guys following me? Then you're going to go to 105A Street, and you're going to make a right. You're going to go all the way up to the point where you can't go anymore straight. You can either go left or right. You're going to go right on 248th Street. You're going to go down the block. Our house is on the right, and it's the house just before the cul-de-sac starts. You got it? You can all come over to our house now because you know where I live. And if you're listening by Internet, even you. So... 6.15 comes wrong. They should have been here at 6. The phone rings. Hey, hi, hi. Where are you? I don't know. Well, can you maybe tell me where you're at? And then they start describing everything they see around us. Wow, he's, there's this playground right on the corner, and there's some kids playing there, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And there's this row of mailboxes, and I'm like, um, yeah. Well, that's good. I go, I don't even know if you're in the same town because every community has a park and has a row of 
mailboxes. So how about you tell me exactly where you are, what street, what intersection, so that I can lead you and guide you to our house. Like, I don't even know if you're in the same town. And why, why do I tell you this? Because we have a tendency to describe the situations of our life. We describe the hardship. We describe that problem. We are really good at describing how, you know, how life sometimes really is a bummer. And we describe how bad our marriage is and how bad our finances. And we get on the phone and we call so-and-so. And, and what do we do? We describe. And we call the pastor and we describe. And you know what happens? We get stuck at describing and we never get to the place of declaring what the Word of God says about our situation. That's a good place to shout amen, church. You see, we need to go beyond describing, and we need to go to declaring the Word of God, declaring the promises of God. Because, friends, when you declare the Word of God over that situation, when you declare the Word of God over that environment, whatever it is, when you declare the promise of God, something happens. Something happens supernaturally in that environment, in that situation, because the Bible says the Word of God is the power of God, and it shall not return war. And so we need to get back at the place of not just describing our situations, but we need to declare the Word of God, the promise of God over our town, over our city, over the lost, over our situations, whatever it may be, because I can guarantee you everything you're facing today, God has an answer for. Would you declare His Word? Come on, give Him, give him a praise this morning. You know, God places Ezekiel in this valley dry bones. And you know what? He doesn't say, Ezekiel, I want you to describe to me what you see. He never said that. He said, I want you to declare and prophesy what I have said over these bones. There has to come a moment in our life where we choose not to just describe, but we go beyond and we begin to declare the solution. Because when you declare, faith starts to rise up and hope starts to rise up. And you're like, I'm going to get through this because the Word promises me this. And so we've come to a place where even in Europe, we're not going to, we, we, I'm challenging even the Italians, stop describing the mess of the nation. Stop describing the, the criminal activity and the corrupt government and, and the state of the church. Let's begin to declare what the Word of God says over this nation. That's where we need to start, friends. So we don't deny dead religion, the reality of death and desolation and injustice and pain in our world, but we also don't limit the power and the promises of God's Word. The message is clear, whether for a city, whether for a nation, a personal situation in our life, transformation is God's signature, friends. Now is the time to engage in mission and planting life-giving churches and to show compassion and, ha and give dignity to the refugee and the immigrant and the displaced and to plant the seed of the gospel and declare the gospel, which is good news like we've never done before. Church, now is the time to give and to sow and to be generous more than we've ever been. Now is the time to sacrifice and labor and build. Now is the time for the local church to expand its reach and send people out and increase 
its influence and hope in our world. Today you find yourself walking in the valley faced with your dry bones. It's the darkest time of, 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 your, of, of your life. And I want to say this to you this morning. Out of my own experience, our own experience as a ministry couple, as global workers, it's in the deepest, dark, dry valleys of our lives that God does some of his greatest work. There has to be a need before God can supply. And God can only fill what is empty. And He can only heal what is broken. We need to embrace the journey. We need to embrace our valleys and face it with perseverance and face them with determination and the declaration of the living Word of God this morning. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to those dry bones until you, what you see begins to look like what he said it needs to look like. When was the last time you declared the word of God, the will of God over your marriage, over your ministry, over your calling, over that dream, over that financial situation, over that wayward spouse or son or daughter? Time is going. I need to. <laughs> I only have three more points. The other thing we see, friends, in this text is unreasonable obedience. I mean, don't you think it's unreasonable obedience to go in a cemetery and prophesy the word of God like something's going to change? Hello? It's pretty unreasonable, don't you think? Don't you think it's pretty unreasonable for the obedience of a pastor? was a police officer for 30 years, the head of the anti-mafia squad, and God calls him with 12 other young people to start a church in a ghetto with 70% unemployed and criminal activity and controlled by mafia to make a difference. And yet today, look what we're seeing. You know, like 11 years ago, we were pastors at Christian Life Assembly, part of a multi-campus church, 3,000 people, Secure salary, benefits, all, all, all the stability we need. We were at the peak of our ministry, took a church in Maple Ridge from 60 people to 400 people, full-on staff, young families, transformation, salvations, 25 small groups scattered all over the city and region with the vision of planting another campus. And yet God says, I'm, I'm shifting you, and I want you to leave all of this security. I want you to leave all of this stability with your family and one of our sons who's special needs and will never be able to live an independent life. And I want you to begin to live by faith, and I want you to give back to your spiritual heritage. What? And it was unreasonable. We were still young, like, you know, most, most, most missionaries do what I do, you know, when they're reaching 50. I still got two more years, and I've done 11 years of it. You know, they're slowing down, and they can travel now. You know, God, unreasonable obedience means you don't always understand it. It doesn't always add up or really make any sense. God has asked me to do something It seems like it's a bit out there but let, let me say this, your unreasonable obedience today 
You don't need to fully understand it. You just need to step into it and understand later. Because who would have ever thought that, that in the past 11 years, we were able to help plant 26 churches. And as NLI Canada, we helped mobilize 46 uh, uh, short-term mission teams from Canada and train 1,000 leaders and pastors in Europe and give well over $1 million for missional work in the continent of Europe. Who would have ever thought? And we've never missed a paycheck. Who would have ever thought? And it's going to take unreasonable obedience. You step out. You don't fully understand. It doesn't always make sense. But when you take that step and you're in it, then God explains it to you and he makes you understand it. Your unreasonable obedience today will cause God to move in an uncommon way in the future. Something begins to shift in your situation. Today you can begin to see signs of life. This is not a time to give up. This is not a time to settle church. This is not a time to stay silent or stay at peace with your dry bones. But your act of obedience will require faith this morning, but I guarantee you when you step into this unreasonable obedience, you're going to see the hand of God move, and you're going to see something triggered in the spiritual realm, and he's going to pour out his blessing, and he's going to give you everything you need to do, friends. What is the unreasonable obedience God is asking of you today, and what is it that might be stopping you and holding you back as a church or as individuals? I really believe God is is paving the way for something fresh for Evangel Pentecostal Church. There's a, there's a new, th some of you, you've been living in your past, and we want to honor, we want to celebrate the past, but today, God is saying, I want to bring in fresh breath. I want to bring in fresh wind. I want your unreasonable obedience because I want to take you to the next level. I want to take you to a, a new level of influence. I want you to do things that have never been done in Powell River, but it's going to take your unreasonable obedience. Are you ready? Are you willing I'd like the team to come back as I bring this to a close. I know I'm taking a few extra minutes. Apologize for that. But please stay focused. No one moving around unless you really have to. But the other thing we see in this text, and just softly playing in the background team, and we're going to close, is we, is we see the Spirit's power. In Ezekiel 37, we read that the bones came together, but they didn't come up and move until breath entered them. The wind of God's Spirit entered them. How many of you know that the wind represents the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in verse 14, I will put my Spirit in you and you will live. See, friends, reawakening only happens by God's Spirit by, through the breath of God. I still believe if the church is going to be all that God meant it for it to be and thrive. It's because of God's Spirit. Call me old-fashioned, whatever you think. But friends, without the Spirit in operation, we're just a program and we're just a club. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you order, you have the favorite item on the menu, and the waiter or the waitress says, oh, we ran out. We don't have that. Isn't that frustrating? I was in Slovakia one year, and a long day of visiting church planters, many kilometers, driving. We finally get to Bratislava, and we go to this restaurant, and I'm like, yeah, I'd like this. Sorry, sir, we don't have it. I'm like, can you give me this? Ah, yeah, we don't have that either. I tried one more time. I says, well, how about this? Yeah, we don't have that. I'm like, can you please give me something you do have? 
Why, why do I say that? Because you can't give what you do not have. The Bible says you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what qualifies you. We don't have the Holy Spirit working in us. We can never be witnesses. The disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years. And I'm telling you, these guys saw, saw it all. They saw every possible miracle take place with their own eyes. They, they were men. They were the most qualified of that time. They heard of all of Jesus' teachings and sermons and stories. They didn't just know Scripture. They wrote Scripture. They were, if they were alive today, they would probably receive honorary degrees from the best seminaries in North America. And yet Jesus tells them at the end of three and a half years, he says, there's something that you still don't have. And you're going to need it before I leave. Go to Jerusalem and wait in the upper room for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, but Jesus, we were like three and a half years with you. We've seen it all. Why can't we, we just want to get on with the mission. And he's like, you can't get on with the mission. What did the disciples have before the Holy Spirit came upon them? They had great sermons. They had great stories. They had great experiences. They could have gone out and given those things. But Jesus knew that world, that the world wasn't going to be transformed by good sermons, by good stories and illustrations and buildings and great organizations, that if the world is going to change, then we will need the power of the Holy Spirit. And what was true for them in that day is true for us today. Without the Holy Spirit... We have nothing transforming to give. And so, friends, we need the Spirit's power. And I close with this. The Bible says that in verse 10, breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet as a vast army. In fact, the verse before in verse 7, it says, the bones came together bone to bone. This speaks of unity. And if we want reawakening, we need to be a people of declaration. We need to be a people of unreasonable obedience. We need to be a people of the Spirit's power. And we need unity in the church. When the church comes together and it's strongly unified, the Spirit is present and moves of God take place. The supernatural gets released. Amen? And in verse 10, breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up to their feet as a vast army. Would you stand up to your feet right now as we close? Stay with me. Stand up to your feet. When the church is like a unified army, it becomes a force that is unstoppable. Amen? While we're waiting for Jesus to come down, church, let me tell you this, Jesus is waiting for His church to stand up. God connects His people for His purposes. Unity doesn't mean sameness. It means oneness of purpose and vision and heart. Hello? Even though we are all different, different races and, and different cultures and backgrounds and classes and genders, there is only one purpose and one goal line, and it's the glory of God, and it's the advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen? 
Unity opens the heavens today, friends. And so we must work together. We must build together. We must be generous together. We must sacrifice together. We are going to pray together. We're going to worship together. We're going to be obedient together. We're going to serve together. We're going to laugh together. Are you getting this in your spirit this morning? We're going to cry together. We're going to trust God together. We're going to carry the vision together. We're going to love the city together. We're going to celebrate together when the church comes together it's unified and it's unstoppable give the Lord praise this morning it's unstoppable it's unstoppable this morning and so I want you to just raise your hands this morning and I want you to raise your voices to the Lord this morning and I want us to just take a moment or two before Pastor Lucas comes and just have a moment where we declare the Word of God where we declare the promise and the truth over our situation over that mountain in your life over that crisis in your life over that dry marriage over that dry ministry or that calling that has gone dormant that dream that has gone dormant we want to take a few moments and we want to declare over the town of Powell River, the grace of Jesus, the most powerful name, Jesus. We want to declare that name, Jesus, this morning. We want to declare His presence this morning. We want to declare life this morning and harvest and souls and prodigals to come back this morning. We want to declare that, but it's going to take you to take a bold step this morning and declare with your voice the Word of God over this situation. Can we just take a moment and do that this morning, church? I need to hear you. I need you to declare this morning. We're not just going to be religious. We're not just going to be church attenders and help out here and there. But we're going to be people of life who are going to bring life in every environment, in every sphere of influence that we step into and walk into as a church. That is the church of God, being the church and not just doing it. Maybe you're feeling defeated. I want you to declare in Christ Jesus, I'm victorious. And in Christ Jesus, I am more than a conqueror. Maybe today you're feeling without hope. I want you to declare in Christ, I have all the hope because He is the hope of glory. Maybe this morning you're feeling weakness. In Christ, I have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome every obstacle and every temptation. For the Lord is my strong tower and He is my strength in times of weakness. Maybe this morning you're feeling loneliness. I want you to declare, my Lord will not abandon me. He will not leave me or forsake me, but He is with me wherever I go. He's a friend who sticks closer than any other friend. Though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will, He will be with me. I will not be burned. I will not be overtaken by the water. I will not drown, but He is with me. Maybe it's a financial situation. Declare, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You're my provision. You're my provider. You are my provision. Maybe you're sick this morning and you're dealing with illness in your body. Know that He is God. I am the great physician, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. And by His stripes, I am healed. Would you declare now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's declare today what the Word and the promise of God is in the mighty, in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus.